You're listening to Comedy Central. February 24, 2020. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. I'm Trevor Noah. Our guest tonight is one of the Avengers, and now he's the star of the Netflix show Altered Carbon. Anthony Mackie is joining us, everybody. <laughs> also on tonight's show, Bernie Sanders is the new king of the Democrats, the coronavirus is going on tour, and Donald Trump tries to pronounce Indian words. So let's catch up <laughs> on today's headlines. Let's kick things off with the royal family. They're like the Kardashians, but less welcoming to black people. (laughs) It's been a month since Harry and Meghan announced that they wanted to leave the family. And now they've been told that they're free to go, but they gotta leave their name tags behind. Harry and Meghan will soon be royals no more, at least publicly. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex released new details about their plan to step down from formal royal duties, including an agreement with the Queen to not use the word royal in any future philanthropic or commercial pursuits. Though they will formally retain their Royal Highness titles, they will no longer be able to use them after the transition takes place on March 31st. Damn, Harry and Meghan are losing their titles? That's the most embarrassing royal loss since William's hairline. (laughs) But yes, the queen has announced that Harry and Meghan can no longer describe themselves as royal. And I won't lie, if I was Harry and Meghan, I'd be like, fine, then we'll be known as Royale. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually pretty funny how petty the queen is being. Now, because basically, you know what she's doing? She's trying to turn Harry and Meghan from the official royals to the store brand. That's what she's doing. Like, you know how the store brand is kind of like the brand name, but just off, like, slightly? Like, Frosted Flakes will have Tony the Tiger, but then the store brand is a weird polar bear, yeah? (laughs) So then every morning, you have to look at the box while you're eating cereal, and you're like, I wish my mom didn't buy you. (laughs) But I'll be honest, I don't think the queen is gonna win this one, because it's not like Harry and Meghan need those titles for us to know who they are. No one here has names like Harry and Meghan, and they're like, which Harry and Meghan? The ones from Nashville? Is that them? Anyway, let's move on from people celebrating their freedom to someone who's gonna be losing his for a long time. Disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein has been found guilty of rape in the third degree and of committing a criminal sexual act in the first degree. The jury acquitted him on three other charges, including the most serious of predatory sexual assault. Throughout the whole process, he kept saying, I didn't do this, I didn't do this. But of course, now he faces five to 25 years in prison, at least with more possibly coming uh, with additional charges, new charges uh, out in Los Angeles. Yes, people, it's official. Harvey Weinstein is going to prison. Which is crazy, because he already looks like he's been in prison for 25 years. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Weinstein is not gonna do well in prison, right? Partly because other prisoners already don't like sex offenders, but they really don't like some of Harvey Weinstein movies. Yeah, they're gonna come up to him in the prison yard like, I wasted $9 on Mansfield Park. That shit was a disgrace to Jane Austen. You know what would be funny? is if they lock up Weinstein in the same cell as Bill Cosby, yeah? Because then I can tell you then, no one is falling asleep in that cell. You go to sleep. No, you go to sleep. No, you go to sleep. No, you go to sleep. No. 
All right, and finally, let's move on from Harvey Weinstein to another plague on humanity, the coronavirus. The disease that started in December in China is now taking off around the globe. Breaking news overnight on the coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, experts say the world has reached a tipping point to prevent a global pandemic after a surge of cases outside of China. The biggest outbreak outside of Asia is in Italy, where cases spiked from three to more than 150 over the weekend. About a dozen northern Italian towns are now in lockdown. Normally bustling medieval villages turned into virtual ghost towns. Officials in Venice canceling the rest of the city's famed carnival festival. Officials in Milan, Italy's fashion and financial capital taking extreme precautions. This fashion show by Giorgio Armani deserted. Models walking the runway in a room full of empty chairs. Yes, the coronavirus has officially shut Italy down. Fashion shows canceled, soccer matches canceled. Even the Statue of David is playing it safe. <laughs> and by the way, I really do find it interesting how when the coronavirus hits a country, you learn what that country is all about, right? It hits Italy and it stops fashion shows and soccer matches. In China, it stops all manufacturing plants. Like, I bet if it hits France, they'll be like, we have to reduce physical contact. Everyone is limited to just one mistress. <laughs> now, the big news, the big news that's really concerning is that the World Health Organization says we are reaching a tipping point where the virus could become a pandemic. So if you have a bucket list, now's the time to do it, my friends. Yeah, if you want to skydive, do it now. If you want to swim with sharks, do it now. If there's that woman at work you've always wanted to kiss, stay away from her. Didn't you learn anything from Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> also, she might have the coronavirus. Yeah. You want to know... You want to know what I put on my bucket list? Don't get coronavirus. <laughs> Checkmate. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. <laughs> President Donald Trump. Still not used to saying that. Last night, he flew 8,000 miles for his first state visit to India. Now, Trump's in India, partly to negotiate a trade deal and partly to get his copy of the Kama Sutra signed. Yeah, Trump and Melania use that book all the time. Her favorite position is the one where she's on top and he's not in the room. Now, you might be wondering, how would a country full of brown people react to a visit from Donald Trump? Well, it turns out from the moment Trump arrived, it was love at first sight. President Trump just arrived this morning for a two-day visit. The president received what's being called a king's welcome, orchestrated by the Indian prime minister. The president headed a massive rally packed with more than 100,000 people. A Make America Great Again rally, India style. They even blasted Macho Man before the president took the stage. And when he did, a show of affection for India's prime minister. Namaste, Trump! The president is overwhelmingly popular here in India, where his pro-business, tough-on-terror image is widely admired. I happen to like Prime Minister Modi a lot. He says between the stadium and, and the uh, airport, we'll have about seven million people. So it's gonna be very exciting. Seven million people came out to see Trump go from the airport to the stadium? That's impressive. Although, to be fair, it's also India. There's seven million people between any two locations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the line at Indian Starbucks is seven million people. <laughs> there are Indian brides right now who are like, no, daddy, I just want a small wedding. No more than seven million people. <laughs> it's like, okay, Anushka, first cousins only. <laughs> but it is true that Donald Trump is very popular in India. 
right? Some like him because of his anti-Muslim rhetoric. Some like him because of his business savvy. And all of them like him because his skin looks like tikka masala. <laughs> and since India is so fond... <laughs> so fond of President Donald Jaipal Trump, they pulled out all the stops for his visits. At India's famous Taj Mahal, workers paint, spruce, and polish. Roads are renovated, and nearby the Yamuna River rises as millions of litres of water are released to cover its foul, polluted smell. Preparations included a hastily built wall that critics say was meant to block the view of a slum, keeping thousands of poor people out of sight. Yeah. India is trying so hard to impress Trump that they're building new roads, cleaning up dams, and even building a wall to hide their slums. And you know Trump's gotta love that. He's just like, you see, they built a wall, and I haven't seen a single Mexican. (laughs) It works, folks. Now, India cleaning its rivers and streets for Trump might seem extreme, but if you think about it, this is basically what guys do whenever a girl says she's coming over, right? Yeah, you make the bed, pick up your clothes, hide all your junk in the closet, then she calls and says she can't make it, and you're like, damn it, so I flushed the toilet for nothing? (laughs) So clearly, India is trying to give Trump a memorable experience. There was, however, one tiny culture clash that Trump had to deal with. Donald Trump is in India this morning, but he could be forced to go without his favorite meals of burgers and steaks. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi, a devout vegetarian, plans not to serve any meat to the president during his visit. One person who's familiar with President Trump's eating habits has told the media they're worried about how he'll cope with the lack of meat, saying, I have never seen him eat a vegetable. I honestly don't know what's stranger. The fact that Trump might eat vegetables or that people are actually worried about how it will go. Because you realize the news wasn't even snarky about it. They weren't like, ha ha, the president has to eat vegetables. They were like, yo, if Donald Trump eats broccoli, he could die. (laughs) So this is gonna be hard on Trump. And you know what I was thinking is what's worse for him? is that cows are so sacred in India that they're allowed to just wander around in the city. So can you imagine how hard that's gonna be for him? He hasn't eaten beef for two days, and then he's just gonna start seeing cows in the streets, and he's gonna be like, oh my God, I'm hallucinating. All the cows I've eaten have come back to haunt me. I'm sorry, cows. I'm so sorry. So sorry. But I will say, I'm impressed, because despite the beef issue, Trump is making the best of his India trip. In fact, he even made an effort to show the Indian people how much he respects them by trying to speak their language. And it went about as well as you would think. (laughs) India welcomes us at the world's largest cricket stadium right here in Ababad. Namaste, Chiwala, Gujarat. Sardar Patel, Ashram, Suchin, Tendulkar, Gujarat, Goa, Diwali, as the great religious teacher Swami Vive Kamunand once said. pronunciation was right. That facial expression was so wrong. <laughs> that looked like the most exercise he's gotten in decades. It's like, come, come in, in. 
All right, that's my steps for the day. I'm done. Oh, man. Now, now, this is really interesting. After Trump butchered half the Hindi dictionary, Indian Twitter lost their minds, right? People were coming on like, dude, it's not namuste, it's namaste. Who messes up namaste? It says namuste. But to those Indians, I say, please, don't be mad, right? Trump may not be able to pronounce Hindi words, but he can't pronounce English words either, so... <laughs> he's an equal opportunity offender. And besides, think about it. It would have been way scarier if Trump had come out all fluent in Hindi. Can you imagine if he just came out and he's like, Kese tumare jail, main tumse pya, aapka baal baat sundare, kuch kuch, hote hai, bigly. It would have been weird. So, that was day one of President Trump's trip to India. And you know what? I'm proud of the president. I'm really proud of him for teaching us a valuable lesson. And that is no matter how old you are, you can still go to new places, make new friends, and have new mind-blowing experiences like eating a carrot for the first time. <laughs> and to that, I say, namuste. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. This weekend, we saw some major developments in the Democratic primary race. And not just that Joe Biden got bangs, no, it looks like the Democrats might already have their nominee. So, let's catch up on all the latest in another installment of World War D. This weekend, Las Vegas saw two of the craziest knockouts of all time, Wilder versus Fury and Bernie versus everyone. This morning, feeling the burn. Bernie Sanders dominating in Nevada. Sanders not only taking the silver state, but besting his rivals among Latinos, winning both men and women, college and non-college graduates, and even scoring votes from moderates. I am a U.S. senator, and I got a big ego, and I appreciate the Bernie. But it ain't Bernie, it is us. Damn, Bernie is really committed to socialism, right? <laughs> Even when the crowd is trying to cheer for him, he wants to share it back with them. I wonder if he's always like this. Like, on his birthday, are they like, happy birthday to you? He's like, no, to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> happy birthday. No, to all of us. It's all of our birthday. In fact, you should make a wish. My wish already came true. I got socks. <laughs> but yes, Bernie Sanders won big in Vegas. And I'm not surprised. If anyone needs free college and free healthcare, it's a city full of people who lost all their money playing slots. <laughs> and Bernie won big with all the big Nevada demographics. That's what made this so impressive. Young people, old people, white, Latino, blue, bent, <laughs> feathered, everybody. Which bolstered his electability arguments. But there's still one sizable demographic that Bernie hasn't won over. And it's the other Democrats in the race. With the rise of Sanders, his opponents are beginning to take him on. Senator Sanders believes in an inflexible, ideological revolution that leaves out most Democrats, not to mention most Americans. Some believe uh, that the way to beat Donald Trump is to be just as polarizing. Biden with Casey Hunt, dismissing Sanders' efforts to tie himself to former President Obama. The way he talks about it, you think he and Brock were close buddies. And you think they were not? I know they were not. Ooh, I know they were nuts. It's a little weird that the Democratic primary has become a fight about who is actually friends with Obama. 
Because have you noticed, everyone is dropping his name. He's in all of their ads, you know, but he's been silent this entire campaign. It's almost like Obama is the imaginary friend all the Democrats have. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I saw Obama today and he told me I'm the bestest candidate and that I should be president, but nobody else saw him because he hides when the grown-ups come. <laughs> but here's the thing, I don't know if Biden should be attacking Bernie for exaggerating his friendship with Obama especially since Biden has to answer for some exaggerations of his own. Joe Biden has recently been telling voters that he was once arrested trying to see Nelson Mandela in South Africa in the 1970s when he was already a sitting U.S. Senator. This day, 30 years ago, Nelson Mandela walked out of prison and entered into discussions about apartheid. I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our UN ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on Robbins Island. I came back from South Africa trying to see Nelson Mandela and getting arrested for trying to see him on Robbins Island. He, he was in prison. But tonight, the New York Times reviewed all available records and can't find any evidence of that arrest actually happening. Man, this is not a good look for Biden. Because remember, first, he falsely claimed he marched in the civil rights movement. Now he's making up a story about getting arrested in apartheid South Africa? It's weird. The guy's trying so hard to impress black voters that next he's gonna be like, I was there when T'Challa did the trial by combat. <laughs> I looked Killmonger in the face and I told him, cut the malarkey, corn pop. <laughs> now, although Biden keeps telling this apartheid story, Nobody else on the trip remembers getting arrested, and there's no proof of it ever happening. And I'll be honest, as a South African, I'm personally offended by this. Because Nelson Mandela hated it when people used his name to make themselves seem more important. Like, that's what he told me when we were in prison together. <laughs> so, after the Nevada caucus, after the Nevada caucus, the Democratic nomination picture is becoming clearer. Warren and Klobuchar need a miracle to get back in the race. Biden and Buttigieg are fighting desperately to be the moderate alternative, and as it stands, Bernie seems to be on a clear path to winning the most delegates. And I can tell you now, when he wins them, Bernie ain't sharing shit. <laughs> it's not us, it's me. We'll be right back. tonight helped save the universe from Thanos, and now he's trying his hand at solving future crime in season two of the Netflix series, Altered Carbon. Please welcome Anthony Mackie. There's nothing more humbling than being 41 and naked in front of everybody. <laughs> oh, eat your veggies. I don't think that is humbling at all. Man, oh, that, I was like, was... don't go to the, oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, there's the round brown. Oh boy, look away. I feel like that's motivation. You look, you look good, man. Uh, All right, all right. Because I mean, most, you know, no, most, most people in Hollywood would be like, let's get a stunt double for that part. We'll get a butt double. And you were like, no, no, no. No, no, you're going to get the round brown. <laughs> you want it? You got it. 
Welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. It's Congratulations on this, uh, on this new show. Um, this is an interesting show, Altered Carbon, because it's a show about people who can basically shapeshift and go into other bodies. It's almost like they're traveling through souls and, and human experiences. So you are playing a character that we know from the first season, but you are new, but now you're playing someone who's being someone who was played by someone else. How do you prepare for that as an actor? You got very good, yes. <laughs> so I started off as Asian, then I was white, now I'm black. So it's, uh, it's amazing. It's uh, basically the storyline, if you didn't see season one, is they created these carbon chips. You're able to put your soul and your memory into these chips. Right. And the bodies are considered sleeves. So from planet to planet, solar system to solar system, if you can pay enough, you can have an upgraded, better sleeve. Right. Or if you want a security guard who's like, in this season, I'm a gadget, wizard, kung fu, karate killer with magnetic killer style. So, <laughs> that's why. When you watch it, you're gonna say, that dude got magnetic killer style. <laughs> so, they took my carbon soul and put it into me, right. and here I am. So when you are playing a character like this, because this world is completely unique, are you trying to think of yourself as the Asian person who was a white person, as who's now a black person, or are you a black person who, who thinks was a previous white person who was an Asian person? You know what? This is a very good question, by the way. Uh, no. So when, you watched, when I watched the first season, I saw what Will and uh, Joel were doing. They had a certain through line of energy, of charisma with this character. So I had to take that into this second season. Right. But in the same way, I had to put my own funk on it. Right. You know? Because they could have their style, you know, that subtlety, that aggression. But this is a love story. This is Romeo and Juliet. This is Shakespearean, man. People have so said I had that about to the bring show. That. Yes. People, people said, I, I read some of the reviews that really captured your performance, which, which I found really flattering. They, they, they said, Anthony Mackie, we know him as the badass. We know him as the kung fu Very master angry. guy. Yes. yes, fighting. And the action sequences are amazing. I fight a lot. Right. <laughs> but what people enjoyed seeing was the softer side of you, the romantic. I am a heartless romantic. I am. I Wait, am. did you say heartless? <laughs> yes. Wait. No, 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 no. <laughs> yes. I am a heartless romantic because I do not apologize for it. There is no inhibition in my romanticies. I gave myself the best Valentine's Day I've ever had. You, you, that sounds uh, Hey, hey, it's 2020, baby. It's 2020. You, you know what? I feel like you are that person, though, because I, I remember the, the last time I hung out with you in person, it was after a Justin Timberlake Justin Timberlake, concert, it was a good time, right? it was a good time. It and a, this is one of the more, the more interesting conversations I've had with a person. So it's a loud environment, right? And, and I see Anthony then, I'm like, oh, man, nice to see you. How are things going? How's everything going? And then he's like, it's great. Uh, I'm, I'm, I just finished building a house. And then I was like, I'm sorry, because it's loud. You don't think a person said, I built a house. So I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what did you say? He's like, I built a house, the wood and the doors. And, the, and I was like, is this a metaphor for Hollywood and your career? And, but you, you actually build houses yeah. for fun. Yeah. Like with your hands. Yeah. Expl there's, explain. There's, there's something amazing. Like, so I'm from New Orleans and <laughs> Best city in the world, 504, slow your roll, recognize the real. So, I'm too black, too fast, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> sorry, oh, back up, back up, back up. So, after Katrina, the devastation of New Orleans was horrific. And there was so much empty space, so much, so many things were washed away. Like, I don't, my, I do not exist before 16 years old, because everything was gone. Wow. 
So now when I see a piece of grass, I, I think of the family that was there, the history that was there, the house that was there. So I go and I buy that grass and I build a house on that grass so that I can afford a family affordable housing and the opportunity to live in a great neighborhood. I don't want all the money from Sara Lee. I just want the money from the moon pie. That's you can get the honey bun. That's amazing. I, I, I genuinely didn't... I thought yeah. you just built houses for fun. No, 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 no. But, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful reason to build houses. But is there a reason you do it yourself? Well, because I'm a man. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I have, I have a truck, and I have tools, and I have a tool belt, and I have a hammer. And I got, like, tools. And then there's these big old stores with a bunch of tools in them. So I go to the store, and I'm like, what is that jigsaw? Bl- I need that. I need a bandsaw in my garage. I've and owned- then you go to the pawn shop, and every tool you need is 50% off. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Let me, let me get this straight, though. Like, you, you, you have this passion, but it had to have come from somewhere, though. Like, mm-hmm. you... I've, cause I've had a truck before in life. I've had tools. Mm-hmm. I've once worn a tool belt. At no point did I say, yeah, I'm gonna go build a house. <laughs> it had to come from somewhere. No, it came from my dad. My dad was a uh, contractor. My dad, you know, with his eighth grade education, raised six kids in a house that, you know, that my mama built. Right. You know, and uh, I was fortunate enough to grow up in the house that my dad built and the largest levee break during Katrina was in my dad's backyard. And, um, Ever since, like, growing up in that house, you know, when everything went wrong and the economy went crazy and everything fell apart, every morning my dad woke up and said, they can take everything they want. They can take the cars, they can take everything. They ain't taking this house. Wow. And it taught me the importance of having a home. You know, like, to to use the word home. You know, there's nothing... There's nothing that compares to that. There's, that's why I live in New Orleans, because I lived in New York for 12 years. I loved it. Did New York the way it'll never be done again. I've been fortunate enough to live in, I would say, 90% of the best cities in the world. But I moved back to New Orleans because that's my home. Like, I can sit on my porch with a cup of coffee and see a dude walking down the street practicing his trombone. No other city in the world can you see that. That's I can beautiful. throw a rock and hit a great trumpet player. <laughs> That is the best slogan from New Orleans I've ever heard in my life. Come to New Orleans, you can throw Throw a rock rock and hit hit a great great trumpet player. player. My man, you are a superhero in real life, as well as in the shows and the movies. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, man. Season two of Alter Carbon will be available on Netflix February 27th. Anthony Mackie, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 